setting inspiration during lockdown. People around writers often assume that writers' imagination is the only thing we need to create our abundant, rich world. And while that's all we technically need, books have been conceived in confinement and written under a variety of challenges, after all, I've always found that external stimulation is key to unlocking my creative imagination. And while COVID-19 is certainly no war, and most of us can count ourselves lucky that we've never been properly confined anywhere, the situation is still less than ideal for those of us who are inspired by travel, interaction, and or situational experiences. Personally, I find settings a real challenge under the current circumstances. One of my works in progress is set on an entirely fictional island, but one which in my head has always looked a lot like Wales. The series was first conceived in Wales, when I was still only 15, on my first trip over. The image of a black-haired girl and her horse riding across the Welsh rugged hills has never really left me. To this day, whenever I return to Wales, my mind returns to this project and puts me right back into the mood I aim to evoke in my readers with the story. Now I find myself in a disappointingly flat south of England, confined to my 88 square feet office most days, with the only view outside to a row of suburban houses, complete with perfect two-inch cut lawns. A far stretch from the wild, natural, rough scenes I remember from some Welsh mountain ranges. A far stretch from my writing inspiration. Those of us who are used to taking their inspiration from visiting similar buildings, actual historic settings, or taking a walk through landscape that reminds us of our fictional settings, might be at a creative loss during the national lockdown and restricted freedom. Whether you're a writer of historical fiction suddenly deprived of the chance to get a feel for a notable battle site by walking around its remains in person, or a fantasy writer whose settings are all entirely fictional, losing accessibility to most of the outside world restricts all our opportunities for tangible inspiration. Quick and dirty tips from a fellow lockdown writer. The World Wide Web is your friend. In a way, we are oddly prepared for this current state of the world. Most of us amateur writers, if we happen to set our story in a place far away, can't afford to travel there anyway. And certainly the internet is our friend in getting more information about inaccessible places than we've ever been able to in past times. But even if you didn't have the means to visit any actual pyramids or investigate the Okavango Delta in Botswana, I know a lot of writers who rely on picking up architectural details in similar buildings they can visit, get inspired by the random items in their friends' kitchens, or simply miss the sense of smell you get from going lots of different places. There are certain things you can't quite make up for digitally, but you can have a pretty good go. Google Maps is an obvious choice to allow you to visit an abundance of places, be it a New York Times Square or a little road in Fon Gam Laas. But not nearly as many people have heard of their associated tracks, which I only discovered recently myself. It's a great way to travel to some really impressive sites and take a little tour around. I had a book around Petra the other day and loved it. It's a pretty immersive experience, and while not the same as being there in person, of course, the added sound feature does really help to evoke more of a feel for the place. It's a great way to get some general inspiration of awe-inspiring sites or do some research on famous places. Be warned though, 
It'll make you even more nostalgic about not being able to go on holiday at the moment. The bucket list is ever-growing. People are the greatest resource. You might not be able to go somewhere, but chances are, someone else has already been. Do what many historical fiction writers are already doing as part of their research. Talk to real people, where they often have to rely on first-person accounts of historic events that are temporarily inaccessible to them. There is no reason we can't also rely on them for geographically inaccessible information. Asking other people about their experience of a place can be good during any time, even if you've visited a location yourself. Others notice different details from ourselves, and experience places in their own way, dependent on their individual view of the world. My mum and my stepdad are both extremely fond of taking photos. Each holiday we go on together spawns thousands of photos, in themselves a wonderful resource to me now. At the end of the day, they will gather around and review the day's photos. However, often they will have taken pictures of the same thing. Another view of the castle, another one of that impressive tree. It could seem repetitive, but if you're paying attention, you'll notice that the kinds of pictures they've taken are different. My stepdad is more likely to get a nice wide shot of an entire structure, framed gorgeously with the setting sun in the background. My mum, on the other hand, will have spotted and zoomed straight into the funky gargoyles on the top ledge a feature that was missed entirely by everyone else in the party. My partner and I have often wondered why they always choose to look back on the day's photos immediately, revisiting the places they saw only hours early that very day. But I realise now that they don't simply go back over the same places they've already seen when they compare their shots. They're seeing each place through each other's eyes. Maps, maps, maps. No, I'm not going to go on about Google Maps again. But now is a great time to visualise the entirety of your constructed world. If describing each individual place is hard at the moment, then why not draw a map of your world? Knowing how each place connects to the other, whether that's spanning different places in a town, a whole country, or simply multiple rooms within the same building, it can help you visualise more aspects of each setting too. If you've only shown your readers the living room and the bedroom of a house so far, maybe you've not even really figured out yet how the whole thing is put together. But not knowing that the two rooms are on different floors of the building can introduce contingency errors from one scene to the next. On the other hand, knowing that there's also a pantry under the stairs, or a guest room down the hall, can allow you to stumble onto new opportunities in your narrative. At the very least, the more you know about a place, even just about its physical location in relation to others, the more power to you as you write. Chances are it'll help give your readers a sense of being grounded without you even noticing you're doing it. What do you miss? If, like me, you have a specific setting that's been inspired by a place you already know, even if you can't go there at the moment, then it may help you to ask yourself what you miss about the place. I find recalling my inspiration's origins can be a powerful way to find the details that make the setting come alive for my readers as well. Reminding myself what I miss about Wales, the untouched landscape, the rough edges amid soft greenery, the feel of myth in the air, 
crystallizes the essence of the place in my mind and allows me to do the same on paper. Describe it to a non-writer. Last but not least, this is my favourite hack ever. When I discovered it, I was so excited. I forever struggled with properly seeing both my settings and my characters. I always knew broad brush kind of aspects, but I've never been able to see any details. Then one time I needed to describe a character in my novel, and I just couldn't get past she's Asian and she looks kind of stern. That was essentially all I had on her physically. So, a bit desperate and quite ridiculously, I asked my artist friend to draw her for me, without properly telling him what she looked like. I just told him about her character and the kind of vibe I wanted to get from her. He agreed to have a go, saint that he is, and proceeded, over the next few days, to come up to me with random little questions like how she might style her hair. Things I never really thought about, but now obviously needed to find an answer to for him. Those questions, and the resulting drawing, somehow made her come alive in my mind. I can finally see her face now. I never could before. So now, whenever I'm stuck for the details of a character's looks or location, I go right back to the vibe I want to go for, and then I proceed to ask myself all these questions that another artist, non-writer, might ask me. In theory, describing it to a non-writer should be no different than describing a place or a character to your readers. But it kind of feels that way. Describing the vibe you're going for and how maybe someone else would approach the task in front of them, create place X, opens up an array of opportunities to you that you may not have otherwise even considered. Borrow your friend's eyes. Borrow fellow artist's eyes. Borrow non-writer's eyes. Think about what they would be focusing on. Visual artists might look not only at small particular details, but also at a colour scheme or the overall mood to evoke. A photographer might take into account how to frame their shot, how much light to let in, what to zoom into. You should think about all those things too. Pick the kind of view you want to mirror, or do it for a bunch of them, and let them seep into your creation. I hope this has given you a few places to start to re-stimulate your creativity, and will help you enrich your settings even from a sofa you've not left for weeks or your dim basement, or wherever else you're holding out for better times. Don't worry too much. Our brains are wonderful things, capable of walking past without moving and recovering from dark stretches all the time. Happy writing. <laughs>